Hi friends and welcome to the Alcoholic Ominous Podcast, Living Sober After Hitting Bottom. It's alcoholism for idiots, it's the lowest common denominator, it's big tits and tight bones, it's putting shit on the dance floor and spinning it at 45. It's Simon Cowell doing Britain's Got Bastards. It's Lord Sugar being unpleasant to people. It's Subway sandwiches. It's Sharon Osbourne and Frankie and Benny's. It's music for thick people. Get this podcast in the new and noteworthy section of Apple Podcasts. Get a big audience and write a book. Sell the book and get on the one show on the BBC. Get on Ellen and give people free stuff. Get on reality TV. Get the power to affect the purchasing decisions of others. Get some followers. Get a celebrity status. Get some biscuits. Get some Yorkshire tea. You could be here for some time because I obviously need to change my attitude. And it's time to press reset again. Jesus. Hi, I'm sorry about episode 36, I just want it deleted now, I was rusty, I was angry, I had resentment, and it just wasn't any good, and that's the problem with this podcast, it's just me in front of a noisy PC, it's sometimes not going to be any good. I've set impossible goals for myself, and some of us do it, alcoholics. We set impossible goals and struggle fiercely to reach these ideals that just weren't achievable. We forget everything, and then discouragement and depression sets in. We punish ourselves, we hate ourselves for being less than perfect. And when we do this, we miss the colour purple. We forget about gratitude. We forget about our loved ones. We forget what we've got. And we fix on the misery. And if you want a quick fix out of the misery, you can drink. Because it works, short term. Long term, you die. So, now it's time to press the reset button again. To start being good to ourselves. We need to encourage ourselves. And when it's all a complete mess, press reset. Just like I do with this noisy computer. And sometimes the computer restarts without problem. And you wonder why you didn't press reset sooner. It's time to push the button. Cue music. Button. A small disc or knob sewn onto a garment. Either to fasten it by being pushed through a slit made for the purpose or for decoration. A badge bearing a design or slogan and pinned onto clothing. Or a small device on a piece of equipment which is pressed to operate it effectively. As bright as a button, as cute as a button, button your lip, you're on the button, press the panic button, push the watch buttons. This one is all about pressing the right button for all of the right reasons. You're listening to episode 37 of the Alcoholic Ominous Podcast. Welcome 
I follow a program of recovery in which men and women have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. I carry a book written by early pioneers who created a roadmap to lead other sufferers out of alcoholism. My name is Simon. I'm an alcoholic. The Curious Case of Benjamin Button is a 2008 American fantasy romantic drama film directed by David Fincher. The storyline is loosely based on the 1922 eponymous short story by F. Scott Fitzgerald. The film stars Brad Pitt as a man who ages in reverse and Kate Blanchett as the love interest throughout his life. On the evening of November the 11th, 1918, a boy is born, Benjamin, with the appearance and maladies of an elderly man. After the baby's mother dies during childbirth, the father, Thomas Button, abandons the infant on the porch of a nursing home. Benjamin recounts his entire extraordinary life and his aging backwards. Being diagnosed with several aging diseases at birth, given little chance of survival, and then surviving and getting younger with time. The Curious Case of Benjamin Button is an epic fantasy tale with rich storytelling, backed by fantastic performances, and I liked it. It's not like me, Peter Pan, who never grew up. Benjamin was grown up from the start. Buttons, A Christmas Tale is a 2008 family Christmas drama. Follow the heartwarming journey of two orphan girls who only wish to find a home for Christmas. With a little help from their guardian angels, Dick Van Dyke and Dame Angela Lansbury, they discover miracles can happen when you believe. I haven't seen this and I don't care. I can't be perfect all of the time. No one can possibly maintain extremely high standards. The standards we often demand of ourselves. We fall short because we have unrealistic aims and high hopes. So when we fail, we beat ourselves up and sulk. But we can start to be good to ourselves. We can't demand of any person more than is reasonable. And as recovering alcoholics, we have no right to expect such miracles of ourselves. This is the time to back off mentally. And for me, it means to get some fresh air, to breathe, to have fun with the kids, to do my little podcast, to send a flirty text to the one I love, find something that makes me laugh, eat well, sleep well. All of the resentment, all of the hate, the frustration, the worry, my washing machine head, the same questions remain. Have I got enough to get me through today? Yes. Did anyone die? No. Just press the bloody reset button, Simon. You know, maybe I have fallen short somehow, in my thinking or in my actions. So what? We are not perfect and we are not saints. We know this because it's on page 60 of our big books. Dick Van Dyke apologised for the most atrocious Cockney accent in the history of cinema. It doesn't stop the 1964 Disney classic Mary Poppins being a good film. And what can I do right now to cheer myself up? I can do something other than take a drink. I have failed to enjoy the world. Good food, good company, a joke, a bit of love, the colour purple. And it stops today. Because I have pressed the reset button. 
I have angry energy. I can put it to better use. Now is the time. The only time there is. I can enjoy every good thing. And I'm not being selfish. I'm being self-protective. One of our famous TV presenters in the UK took her own life a few weeks ago. Her name was Caroline. Me and my kids loved her. Amongst many other things, she was a contestant in a show called Strictly Come Dancing in the UK. It's called Dancing with the Stars in the US. And she was our girl. We obviously take our celebrity dancing competitions a bit too seriously in my house. But Caroline was ours and she was magic. And she was a great TV presenter. Beautiful, funny, cool, intelligent. And whatever it was, it didn't have to end this way. And now she's dead. Caroline was found dead in her flat in London on the 15th of February 2020. Aged just 40. The lawyer acting for her family stated that her death was a suicide. And I spoke to my oldest daughter about it in the car driving back from my mum's house. It was cold and rainy and we were driving through some country lanes. And I looked at her and said, Babe, if you ever get that low, that upset, that desperate, you pick up the phone and you talk to me. You give me a chance first, okay? And for once, she put down her mobile device and she looked me in the eye and said, Okay. If you grew up in England in the 1970s and the 1980s, you would know who Bagpuss is. And for those of you that didn't, Bagpuss was a children's television star. Back in the days when we only had three television channels, Bagpuss was a saggy old cloth cat. Baggy and a bit loose at the seams. He was an animated cloth cat. And when Bagpuss wakes up, all of his friends wake up too. The mice on the mouse organ wake up and stretch. Madeline, the rag doll, the toad, and Professor Yaffle, a very distinguished old woodpecker. Bagpuss is like the Fonz, but it's all done in a 1970s BBC children's way. And when Fonzie says, hey, you know everything is cool. My youngest, she's at school now, and her reading is coming along very nicely. She's popular, not just with other kids, with everyone. With a nice range of ages and diverse personalities, she's popular. And she's taken to banging on the window when she sees someone passing our house. She waves at them, does a funny dance, and in return, the whole neighbourhood, even those who have been advised not to exert themselves, the elderly, wave back and bust some moves back at her. And they've started to get disappointed if they pass our window and she's not there banging on the window. It's all become a thing. 
and it's like the whole neighbourhood wakes up when my youngest daughter wakes up, just like Bagpuss. The truth is, my youngest daughter, Bagpuss, likes to be at the centre of attention and has developed loads of positive relationships with the local community. She gets invited to all of the parties and has a big gang of people, not just kids, who've got her back. There's no mice on the mouse organ, no ragdoll, no toad, no woodpecker. There's the middle-aged couple, the nice old lady with the cakes, the bloke with the dog, the kids on the bikes, the wealthy family with the nice cars, the newlyweds, etc. But she's happy and she makes them happy. Now suddenly, school have advised me that my daughter is falling behind a little bit in maths. Nothing serious, but it might be an idea for her to attend maths club, which starts 20 minutes before school starts. And as a responsible parent with my kids' education in mind, I am keen for her to attend maths club. I'm worried a little bit because maths was never a problem before, and suddenly it's a problem. What happened? I take her to maths club. I'm worried about her falling behind in her studies. I'm thinking I've been a bad parent. I'm worried what the teachers might think of me. I walk her to maths club. And in the middle of the classroom is a bunch of tables made into one big table. And little kids, who are all very familiar to me, are sat around the table. They have left space at the head of the table for someone new to maths club. Someone who never struggled with bloody maths before. There is juice and nibbles and iPads. And Bagpuss hangs her coat up. She sits at the head of the table. Twenty little kids' faces light up and smile. And a couple of teachers. And Bagpuss says, Hey. Unbelievable. We've all been had. And sure, I get a quick kiss and a pat on the bum. And I love you, Dad. But she's just bagpussing me. We've all just been bagpussed. She's playing the game really successfully. She's not rusty or angry or resentful. She's bright as a button without needing to push the button. She's cute as a button. She makes everyone smile. And she's the head of the table with juice and nibbles and an iPad. And we all just need to bang on the window sometimes, make a few friends, and do maths club, if that's where it's at. Even though you don't need bloody maths club, even if you created this whole thing to protect yourself and feel happy, get yourselves to a meeting. Be bagpuss for a bit. Peace. Now I'm at home for a bit during the daytime. It's not a great place to be for someone like me. I'm sat in front of my noisy PC and I'm doing this podcast because it helps me, I think. Spring is coming and it could be a beautiful day out there. I'll go for a long walk later and and go to the shops and bagpuss anyone that I see along the way but 
when you are stuck at home the last thing you want to see is the man with the parcel the FedEx van the DPD van the Royal Mail van the Parcel Force van the UPS van people in vans with parcels to deliver to people that aren't at home and you watch the courier getting frustrated because someone's not at home because they're at fucking work you see them ringing the doorbell and getting agitated bastards aren't home I'm going to try next door next doors are not home bastards where can I leave this parcel and they see a car in a driveway somewhere and they've hit the jackpot me I don't want the parcel I'm going out in a bit I hate those bastards I'll have to have a shower before dropping this off later. I'll have to drop in for coffee or something because those bastards want to know how bloody maths club is getting along. And we've all tried giving all of the excuses for not accepting the parcel. I don't live here. I'm the plumber. I'm just watering the plants. I'm going on holiday for a week. No hablo inglés. I'm not to be trusted with your parcel. I'll spill shit on it. But the parcel man, the courier, is agitated and some part of you feels sorry for him or it feels like it's your neighbourhood duty to accept someone else's parcel who couldn't be asked being at home for their own bloody parcel and you sign the courier's form and you don't want to sign that form because that parcel has nothing to do with you it's probably drugs or guns or sex toys dirty bastards but that bastard and those bastards have got you as their fucking mule You've signed your signature on a bloody mobile device with your finger and it looks nothing like your signature but the cartel know exactly which house they dropped the crystal meth at and your dodgy signature is there. You are now responsible. Any shit happens to this parcel and they will sue your ass or kneecap you. The courier man, the parcel man says thank you and asks about my daughter's maths club. Apparently his kid is beginning to struggle a bit. Completely bagpussed. And there it is. An unwanted guest. A parcel at the bottom of the stairs. Drugs, guns, sex toys, porn, filth. Or equally it could be a coffee machine, a biscuit tin, a teapot. Or even one of those Amazon Alexa things. You know, one of those devices where you shout, Alexa, tell me the weather. Right now in Manchester, England. It's 6 degrees Celsius with mostly cloudy skies. Today's forecast has showers, with a high of 6 degrees and a low of 0 degrees. Not that I need it because I've been looking outside at bloody Mr FedEx. So you look at the parcel, and you look at it all afternoon. And at some point, you're going to have to be brave and deliver it yourself. When do they get back from work? Will they have a note to tell them that I've got the parcel? I don't want them coming round here. I've not tied it up. I look like shit because I've not been out all day. Will I have to invite them in for a drink? I don't want to do that. And finally, they're back from work. You run over with the parcel like you've just seen them returning home out the corner of your eye. But you haven't. You've been watching their house for hours. And you just want to get rid of this thing. Here's a parcel for you. Oh, thank you. Much obliged. No problem. How's Maths Club? It's great. This resentment is for you. Other people's parcels.
let's have a quick look in the book. Come on, simmer down. Get your books out. I'm looking at page 118, Two Wives. And we are looking at the wives, the husbands, the partners, whatever, of alcoholics new to sobriety. And at the bottom of page 118, the book tells these people that a feeling we are very likely to entertain is one of resentment that love and loyalty could not cure our husbands of alcoholism. We do not like the thought that the contents of a book or the work of another alcoholic has accomplished in a few weeks that for which we struggled for years. At such moments, we forget that alcoholism is an illness over which we could not possibly have had any power. Your husband will be the first to say it was your devotion and care which brought him to the point where he could have a spiritual experience. Without you, he would have gone to pieces long ago. When resentful thoughts come, try to pause and count your blessings. After all, your family is reunited. Alcohol is no longer a problem and you and your husband are working together toward an undreamed of future. The book is telling our loved ones that resentment exists within them and that they also forget that alcoholism is an illness, an illness over which they had no power. And it's telling our loved ones to show some gratitude and to count their blessings. The book continues. Still another difficulty is that you may become jealous of the attention he bestows on other people, especially alcoholics. You have been starving for his companionship, yet he spends long hours helping other men and their families. You feel he should now be yours. The fact is that he should work with other people to maintain his own sobriety. Sometimes he will be so interested that he becomes really neglectful. Your house is filled with strangers. You may not like some of them. He gets stirred up about their troubles, but not at all about yours. It will do little good if you point that out and urge more attention on yourself. We find it a real mistake to dampen his enthusiasm for alcoholic work. You should join in his efforts as much as you possibly can. We suggest that you direct some of your thoughts to the wives of his new alcoholic friends. They need the counsel and love of a woman who has gone through what you have. And the book is saying to our loved ones, to get well, alcoholics need to work with other alcoholics. And even though this might not sit well, don't make the mistake of trying to stop it, because it works. Instead, do what he or she does, help others. Bottom of page 119. It is probably true that you and your husband have been living too much alone for drinking many times isolates the wife of an alcoholic. Therefore, you probably need fresh interests and a great cause to live for as much as your husband. If you cooperate rather than complain, you will find that his excess enthusiasm will tone down. Both of you will awaken to a new sense of responsibility for others. 
you as well as your husband ought to think of what you can put into life instead of how much you can take out inevitably your lives will be fuller for doing so you will lose the old life and find one much better and we're still not at the end of chapter eight two wives i wish we were it's been a hard drive but i think this is the start of Alanon family groups it's a worldwide fellowship that offers a program of recovery for the families and friends of alcoholics and Alanon have the same 12 steps that we do adapted nearly word for word from the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous it's been a tool for spiritual growth for millions of Alanon and Alateen members and I think Lois W and Marie B were at the heart of it all whoever she is if you are listening to this and you're listening because you know someone and you have to know someone to be in Al-Anon unlike my gang seriously Al-Anon members are people just like you who are worried about someone with a drinking problem you should google them experiences as a practicing alcoholic it's about time i brought someone else into this podcast and with the help of my friend annette and sober pod podcast she is beautiful she knows everything she's french she's canadian she's american she's political she's right about everything even music and she has promised to answer some questions. And damn it, we've got questions. Ladies and gentlemen, Annette. 